Welcome to Jobber's Masters of Home Service podcast, where successful business owners share their secrets for making your business more profitable and efficient. I'm your host, Adam Sylvester, owner of Charlottesville Lawn Care and Charlottesville Gutter Pros for the last 15 years. I truly believe that service entrepreneurs need to come together from different service industries and swap stories, share tips, and learn from each other. By getting together and sharing each other's successes and failures, we can help each other level up. And that's the mission of Masters of Home Service. On today's episode, we're talking about running multiple businesses. I have Paul Jamison, successful business owner and host of the Green Industry Podcast from Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome to the show. What's up? Glad you're here. Good to be back. Yeah. I know my guests and I love what Jobber has done for our businesses. With Jobber, managing the customer experience from estimates to invoicing has never been smoother. Our listeners can get a special discount on a new subscription by going to jobber.com slash podcast deal. Trust me, it'll make your whole business more efficient and more profitable. So we both run multiple businesses. So we both have experienced the highs and lows. Let's jump into what drives an entrepreneur to start another business. What's the benefit behind it? What do you think? It's common that most people that are a small business owner are serial entrepreneurs because once you figure it out and turn a profit, it's exhilarating. And then your brain just thinks, I could start this business. I could do Mm -hmm. that business. And the problem is you have to have enough self-control to not bite off more than you can chew. But it's, um, I mean, you look at almost any successful entrepreneur, it wasn't usually their even first business. Sometimes it was their second, third, fourth business. Mm-hmm. That was the one that we all know about. And so it's addicting. Once you're an entrepreneur, your brain doesn't shut off. There's always a new opportunity. Oh yeah. And launching the second one on the shoulders, the first is so much easier. You have the client list, you had the reputation, you've made all the mistakes. I remember mm-hmm. starting my second business and thinking, this is a lot easier than the first time. <laughs> yeah. And I just don't have enough time because for a long time, I wanted to start a sod company in Atlanta. Like I had, mm. you know, the sod father. I had all, I had the whole name, the whole thing. It's just, I just don't have enough time, but it's like, you can niche down and just crush it in mm-hmm. um, so many different niches. So, yeah. So Paul, when we are talking about starting a new business, there's a lot of different ways we could do it. We could start a completely different business that's completely unrelated, no complimentary services whatsoever, or there can be a lot of overlap, like power washing and window cleaning, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. In your case, there's lawn care and sod. What have you seen that works? What have you seen that's what's going on? Yeah, well, I grew up in Ohio. So up there, you cut that grass and make that cash during the summer, and then you plow that snow and make that dough <laughs> during, so, <laughs> during the winter. And so it just makes sense because you have a lot of cross-pollination over the same customers mm-hmm. and a lot of the same vehicles. You know, you can swap out certain attachments and things of that nature and, and actually use the Toro Multiforce, for example. It can be a mower in the summer. It can be a snow a plow in the winter. In the winter. It can do leaves in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. And so that makes sense in Ohio to go lawn care to snow removal. Does not make sense where, you know, I live south of the transitional zone, so it'd be mm-hmm. foolish to do it down where we live. But pressure washing, for example, a customer that needs their grass cut over time, that driveway is going to be looking raggedy. And so mm-hmm. just taking a pressure washer, and a surface cleaner, and cleaning up their driveway, it's a no-brainer. The question just is, at what point do you bite off more than you can chew? Just because you can offer these services doesn't mean you should. But. 100%, yeah. And I think about like my business with gutters. 
if you're on a ladder already, maybe you do window cleaning, maybe you check out the roof. There's there's sub, there's complimentary services that you can offer as long as you're hitting your core strong and it doesn't take a hit. So mm-hmm. let's back up a little bit. When shouldn't we start a new business? What are some of the things that we need to make sure they're in that are secured before we go get distracted by something else? Yeah, well, you want the foundation in your first business to be legitimate, that you're turning a profit, that you know what you're doing, because if that's a mess and you just go start a new mess, mm-hmm. having multiple businesses isn't going to make any sense. But if you have a succession plan for the first business, the right leadership to move on, You just want to make sure that there's a smart plan for business A before you get moving into business B. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of us, like having a singular focus is wisest. So you don't want to stretch yourself thin um, just because you can. So, yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that having one is fine, right? Right. Having one business is great, but there, sometimes we get itch and it's appropriate. If your first business is running smoothly, you've got the right people running the right systems and you're delivering a consistent result every day, hey, let's start. Let's go start a new business. Yeah, and I got to interview Vic Keller on my podcast, and his business is plural, and it wasn't two, it was plural, mm-hmm. were successfully acquired by Berkshire Hathaway, mm-hmm. Warren, Cuff, yeah. Warren Buffett's company. And he had multiple businesses. And I was like, how in the world did you manage? I'm just thinking, manage all of this. These are big businesses. And he's just like, I'm obsessed with business. I am an entrepreneur. Like, it's what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And that's at the highest level when a, when a company like Warren Buffett's company successfully acquires it. Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah. I think also seasonality plays a part in a lot of businesses. You know, if you're a lawn care company in the Northeast, and it makes sense to do Christmas lights in the, in the winter, something like that. If you're an HVAC company and, and most of your business is done in four months in the heat of the summer, you may need to find something else to supplement in the cold season. Another thing is... It's like the first movers often really capitalize. So something that was really popular in Atlanta a few years ago was AstroTurf. Mm. And so I know like in Arizona and stuff, that's been popular for a long time. But all of a sudden, my customers started asking me. I started paying attention to the trend. It's basically fake grass, but they put a layer underneath it like you're doing a stone patio paver job. And they put this AstroTurf on top. And I had a friend that like started doing a couple of them. And then next thing you know, he went all in on it and he's making absolute bank. So I think if you notice a trend and you have the experience of running a business, go for it. Yeah. And a lot of times our clients will tell us, so they'll Uh say, Hey, well, do you do this and that? Well, no, if you hear that enough, it's like, ding, 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 maybe it's time, you know, as long as you had the right things in place. Yeah. And I ain't going on the ladder. So (laughs) I got, I I heard that a lot. You clean gutters. And I actually did one time for this guy and I was so scared of heights Climbing up there, man, mm-hmm. forget it. And I, I didn't know what I was doing, so I only charged him 225 bucks. <laughs> and if you would have seen this house, that, that wasn't the right price. <laughs> so I'm least, up on yeah. that ladder. It was butt chilly cold, and I'm like afraid of heights, so mm-hmm. never again. So. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to you. Let's help our listeners get a better feel for concrete things, financials. Mm-hmm. How do we keep things separate? How do we make sure that it's actually two separate businesses and not just a bunch of services under one company? Yeah, well, I have two thoughts. And the one is the legal aspect. You you want to make sure you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's. And there's so many variables of that. Virginia is different than Georgia. Mm-hmm. Florida is different than California. United States is different than Australia and, and Canada. So making sure that your businesses are compliant with the law, of course. But honestly, from a financial perspective, you need to be able to measure success. You need to be able to evaluate what's going on. And if the waters are muddied, then one business might be booming and the other one sucks. But because 
it's all kind of muddied you together. You're like, oh, things are going pretty well when mm-hmm. the reality is, no, this needs addressed. It's just carrying so, the bad one. Yeah. Keeping them separate from a financial perspective, I think is important. And of course, I already mentioned you want to be compliant anyway. So mm-hmm. I would suggest keeping them separate. Yeah. When my bookkeeper does our financials every month, she logs into two different QuickBooks, mm-hmm. two different bank accounts. It's all completely separate. That's one of those common questions I actually get is because all my buddies know I run two companies. They all know what they are. I'm like, well, do your lawn care guys, your gutter guys, they ever switch? No, no, no. They don't even know each other. Yeah. <laughs> like they're separate. They're two different companies. And that way you can confidently tell a client our guys are trained. They're specialized. They're not just jack of all trades. They know gutters and they know grass. But they don't know both, one, right. you know, separate. And I think that goes a long way because a client wants a specialized, trained professional mm-hmm. and not just, oh, yeah, we do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. Paul, in terms of tax prep and making sure that all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed, give the listeners some more juice on that. You need someone smarter than you to oversee that. And so I would recommend having a very reputable quality bookkeeper. Not all bookkeepers are equal. So making sure that they have good reviews and they're trustworthy and have them evaluate how your business is performing. Because the more businesses you start, and in Vic's case, I don't know exactly how many businesses he had, but it was like eight, nine, or 10. Mm. And it is like, whoa. So if your bookkeeper can look at the numbers, the numbers tell a story. And if everything is accurately going into the right business, checking account for the right business, then the bookkeeper can look at that story and see how things are really going. And then Mm -hmm. you can make the adjustments from there. So I think that's super important to have a really high quality bookkeeper paying attention, making sure that the proper taxes are set aside in a tax savings account. So when your quarterly estimates are due or whatever country you're from, your taxes are due, you have the money saved and you're, you're current with that. And that the bookkeeper can kind of pay attention to what's really going on from a numbers perspective to make sure everything is healthy because it ebbs and flows. And at some points you might need to be putting a little bit more attention and focus on this business, other times on this business. And, and if you have somebody who's paying attention to the stories the numbers are telling, mm-hmm. they can kind of guide that and say, hey, this looks like a little bit of a red flag, Paul. What's going on here? It's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we need to address that. So I love the perspective my bookkeeper has because she lives in a different city, different state. She has no idea what it's like. And so when she points something out in my mind, in my heart, I could justify, oh, it's, but she's looking at just the number. And the numbers don't lie. Now, there are listeners, I know because I was one of them, who say, I can't afford all that bookkeeper stuff, all the time. I can't afford all that. And what I would say to them, and this is really me just speaking from my heart, I was way late to the party on this. Years went by. I was doing my own books, Mm -hmm. thought I was crushing it, thought I was doing it perfectly. And then I discovered the really hard way that I wasn't doing it. I wasn't even close. And so I actually ended up paying a bookkeeper literally thousands Mm -hmm. of dollars to fix my books for like three years (laughs) because I was so arrogant and thought I knew everything. And so I would encourage people Spend 800 over the three years and not 2000 fixing it. Please get one now. It's not that expensive. It's worth every penny. I heard some advice. I'm going to call it bad advice. And, and I heard this on the internet. They said, don't get a bookkeeper until you're at 100,000 revenue. I, I heard this my mm. first year. So I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to get a bookkeeper right now. I'm going to wait till I hit 100,000 revenue. And then I hit 100,000 revenue, but I was just justifying going, going, going. And, I, and I got it going and everything. And so I would go back and say, you need a bookkeeper right out of the gate. And you need to pay yourself a set salary. Like if you're going to go get a job working wherever, 
you need to get those two things as fast as you can because that's going to lay the proper foundation when you go out and quote a gutter cleaning job or a pressure washing job or a lawn care job. Mm-hmm. When you know I got to pay my bookkeeper, you know, $240 a month or $350 a month or $400 a month. I got to pay myself five or six K a month. I got all this stuff and you have that foundation in place. When you go to quote a job year one, your shoulders are going to be back. Your chest mm-hmm. going to be out. And you're going to know I got all this stuff I got to pay. Mrs. Smith, this is the price. Oh my gosh, Paul, you know, Johnny can do it for this. Well, that's our price. And, and there's a poise and a confidence. You mm-hmm. look a customer in the eye and know that that's a fair price because you have to pay the bookkeeper. You have to pay yourself. You have to, you know, run your business. And so I can't emphasize enough. I'm actually friends with the person that said that advice about wait until you get to a hundred thousand. Mm. I would say no, like, cancel your Netflix subscription, sell your boat, like do something to yeah. come up with the money to start every business you have with a, a good foundation of having a bookkeeper and paying yourself the salary that you're worth as a, as a labor in your business. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's take a 30 second break and then we'll come right back. I could never go on vacation. Running my renovation and contracting business took up all of my time until I found Jobber. Last year, I actually headed out of the country and went to the beach for my vacation. I could schedule my team, update job details, make sure my customers were getting taken care of and we were getting paid. All from the beach. You need a vacation and you can do that too. You need Jobber. Smoother from start to finish. Quote, schedule invoice and get paid. Start your free trial today at jobber.com. Listeners to the podcast and get a special discount on a new subscription by going to jobber.com slash podcast deal. If you aren't using Jobber, you need to be. Jobber has made my businesses more profitable and more efficient for sure. Paul, we both know a good mindset to have is getting your business ready to sell. Even if you never want to sell it, Mm -hmm. that is a really good recipe to follow is what would it take to... So tell us more about what your approach with that is. Yeah, and people get really sensitive when you start talking about this because their business is their baby. That's true. Paul, I would never sell my business. You know, this is my calling in life. Right. (laughs) And then basically it's like, well, eventually you're going to be 80 or 90 and you're going to be, you're going to be out of here. Mm-hmm. And what if your children aren't as passionate about that as you are and they sell it? Don't you want to set it up for them to be successful when they sell it? And that's by having that proper foundation. So I think with any business, and again, I've, it's fresh in my mind because I got to interview this very prominent, he's one of the most successful business leaders and, and entrepreneurs in America, Vic Keller. And I was just so impressed with his story of being successfully acquired by Warren Buffett's Berkshire, Berkshire Hathaway. And the thing was, is he's like, every business I built, I built it so professionally, like with the intention that one day this is going to happen. And then mm-hmm. he's like, I didn't actually think it was going to happen, yeah. you know, with the mogul Warren Buffett successfully acquiring his businesses, but it did. So I think you want to, every business you're like, okay, if somebody buys this one day, how do I present it to be top dollar? So as you're building your business day to day, what we're thinking about is how do I get more efficient? How do I serve my customer? And we're so in the day to day and just like putting out fires by mm-hmm. lunchtime that we're not thinking one day, one of these big boys companies might want to buy my business. Is it organized in a way they're going to offer me top dollar. Mm -hmm. It's like the metaphor I use is having a lion by its tail. A lot Mm -hmm. of our listeners feel like they have a lion by its tail. This business kind of whips them around. They don't have a whole lot of control over it. It just kind of goes. But if they let go, it's going to devour them. Building this, the business to be sold really is like having a lion going out and hunting for you. Mm -hmm. And it comes in when you call it. 
and it goes out when you send it. That's what you want from a business is, mm-hmm. is control and freedom. Mm-hmm. And so if someone's offended by, I'm not going to sell my business, fine, don't sell it. Just make it a healthy thing for you so mm-hmm. it doesn't dominate your life. It's what actually produces what you want instead of feeling it's out of control. And it makes it a lot easier when you do transition and pivot. And on my podcast, I've interviewed so many people that have transitioned. One of our friends, jobber friends, Mitchell Gordy, I think you met him in Vegas. Mm. He had a lawn mowing business, Mitchell's Lawn Care. Then he's like, got a tractor. He's like, I like being out on my Kubota tractor. Yes. And he changed his business to Mythgo, let go of the lawn mowing companies. And now he's out doing jobs with this uh, Kubota tractor and his attachments. And so it's like, but his business was very organized and, and squeaky clean and easy to make a pivoted and adjustment. Mm-hmm. And then that way you can hop on those trends and ride those waves. Yeah. So that's a good segue. Once you have two businesses, mm-hmm. life can get pretty tricky pretty busy, if you will. And, you know, we discussed on an earlier episode that work will expand to to as much time as you give it, right? Just like gas will fill a room. And so how have you juggled the demands of two businesses and your life? Yeah, it's in process. (laughs) Yeah. It's difficult because I don't have an off button or like an off switch. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly thinking, even this morning, I was talking to my buddy Brett down in Florida about an opportunity that we're both like, this is it, man. It's like, we let's double down. Let's go all in on this. And it's like, I kind of had to think through. I'm like, wait a minute. I got to still take care of these customers and take care of this. And I think it can be so easy because I'm, I want to say I'm a people pleaser in a bad way, but I always want my customers to be happy. Mm-hmm. So there's always something I can be doing to serve someone. And I, I don't know how to shut that off. Basically what I found is I have to literally schedule a day off. And Mm -hmm. it used to be Sundays and now I've actually, it's been Saturdays and whatever it is, that could be a Monday. It doesn't matter what day, but Mm -hmm. it's like this day I'm going to rest. I'm going to recover. And so for me, it's, it's actually having that day. And I'm going to be honest, I'm 50%. We're still learning. Yeah. Like I get sucked in. I'm like, all right, I'm taking the day off. Next thing you know, I'm like, cause I love business. And Mm -hmm. I I got to talk to Vic about this and he's like, some people are passionate. Like LeBron likes to play basketball and Mm -hmm. he happens to make bank doing it. It's like, I love business. You love business. And Mm -hmm. and if you're listening to this podcast, you love business and that's okay. But what's the point if the people that are family and our friends, if, if we don't have healthy relationships with them, there's no dollar amount that makes it worth it. If you're not cultivating those relationships and taking care of your body and health. Yeah. I know a lot of the listeners have, have kids and spouses and they have a lot of demands outside of work on top of work. And I just know that Having a business is totally doable with all that stuff. And having two businesses is totally doable. You just have to make sure that you put in, you have to make hard choices sometimes. Like with your, with this new opportunity, what am I going to have to give up in mm-hmm. order to do this new opportunity? Is it, is it worth it? If it's worth it, do it. If it's not, don't do it. Mm-hmm. And so from my perspective as a dad and as a husband, I have to make those choices all the time. Is this worth it? Is this worth it? Is it worth it? And so I would encourage our listeners that it's doable as long as you put the proper limitations on yourself to make yeah. sure you don't burn out and, and, and lose what you love so much. And the other thing about having mentors, in the multitude of counsel, there's wisdom. Mm. And so I have a man in my life, he's, a, he's about approaching 60, and he's a lot smarter than me, he's a lot wiser than me. So when I get gung-ho about a, a fresh new opportunity, mm-hmm. I'll call him, his name's Brian, and I'll, I'll say, Brian, shoot me straight. Here's what I'm thinking. And sometimes he'll say, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? And he'll, he'll say things. And then, you know, sometimes I'll be like, you're being too hasty, Paul. Like, go take a cold shower. And other times I'm like, well, 
sounds like a green light to me, but just be careful about this or cautious about this. And so Mm -hmm. I think finding that somebody who's further along in life than you in business and in maturity and wisdom and running these ideas by them, because there's things that I've done that have absolutely flopped and I was all gung ho about it. And I keep going back to like, you got to take care of your customers too, because once you get that entrepreneurial bug and you become that serial entrepreneur, there's always the flashy new best opportunity. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, I think they say dance with the girl who brought you or whatnot. Like you got to make sure you're taking care of your current customers. Mm -hmm. So when you go to the new next thing, it's not like you burn a bridge or you neglected somebody to go do something else. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. There's a time that an entrepreneur goes from working in the business to working on the business and the product goes from lawn care to the business itself. Mm -hmm. And I think the mindset shift is what allows you to become an owner of the second business is once the product that you're focused on is actually the business itself, then I think you're ready to make the jump. But if you're still focused on the product that your employees are producing for your customers, it's going to be hard to make that jump. But if you do have that mindset, okay, the business is the product I'm focused on making the business better every day, then you're going to have a lot more success working on the next business because mm-hmm. you're not focused on the product over here of the original one. Paul, this is a great conversation. I'm going to try to summarize it here with three takeaways that I wrote down. Number one, I think you have to work on the business, not in the business in order to be ready to take the next step in a second business. You need to make sure that the, your first business is operating really well before you make the next jump. Number two is you can look at like trends and what other opportunities there are like seasonal businesses and, and complementary businesses that might be able to use the same employees for both. And the number three was more of a lifestyle, like making sure that you're, you stay healthy and that you set aside time for certain things, not letting your business becoming controlling you instead of you controlling the business and just being aware that like there's more to life than business and you don't want to sacrifice the things out here that are actually more important to you for the sake of the immediate in the business and juggling those two in a healthy way. Paul, that's great. Thanks for the conversation. Good chatting with you. How can people find out more about you? How can they follow you? I have a podcast, the Green Industry Podcast, and that is everywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm also on Instagram at Green Industry Podcast. I'm on TikTok. Green Industry Podcast. That was a joke. <laughs> I was going to TikTok. Tickety talk. Um, and then um, I have a brand new book that just came out, The Lawn Care Advantage, and you can pick that up on Amazon. Great. I really appreciate, as our listeners do, the impact that you're having on the community through your podcast, through your businesses. Our clients matter, don't they? And our team matters. The marketplace matters. And the the difference you're making is really impactful. So thank you. Thanks again to Jobber for, for letting us do this. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. That wraps up season one of Masters of Home Service podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe so you know when the next season lands and we'll see you next time. I'm really grateful to our listeners who tuned in today. I hope you heard something that will make your business more profitable and more efficient. I'm your host, Adam Sylvester, and you can find me at adamsylvester.com. Remember, your clients and your team deserve your very best. So go give it to them. We'll see you next time.